Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I'm Pastor John. The ministry of Headed Home is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face our last. Join us as we find and answer the tough questions and remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. awesome song. And hey, by the way, what a day it will be. Can you imagine when we see Jesus face to face in his glory? Can you imagine, as Paul said, eyes have not seen, ear? Can you imagine when the, hey, the scripture says the streets are like transparent glass? Can you imagine? I can't. What a day it will be. Can you imagine you think about those times in life. I've been to some beautiful places in my lifetime. You know, the Grand Cayman Islands is pretty, and I've been to some really pretty places. Hawaii was very beautiful. I've seen some beautiful sunsets in my life. Hawaii was one, one of the most gorgeous. The, the sun just literally looked like it was that big on the horizon. Going down, I mean, just beautiful. I've seen beautiful, uh, you know, forestscapes. I've seen beautiful landscapes. All these things, the, the man-made, you know, things of life that we see also that have been very beautiful. But can you imagine when we see the perfection of God's glory demonstrated like never before? It's going to be amazing. And not only that, we're going to be there and never experience another heartbreak. We'll never be let down by another human being again. We'll never be hurt by another person again. We're never going to get sunburned. We're never going to have a backache we're never going to get tired. I can't imagine. And when it talks about the worship in Revelation chapter 5 around God's throne, what a day it will be. And it's going to be glorious. It's going to be unreal. And I long for that day because it is going to be a day that the beginning of eternity and the glory of the resurrected Christ is going to be the all-consuming passion and focus and worship is going to literally be the perpetual state that we will live in for all eternity. I can't, it's, it's going to be unreal. I, you know, those uh, pictures I told you guys about with the Hubble telescope, I hope, I hope you went home and looked at those. Those are beautiful. Is any, did everybody look at those? The Hubble Space Telescope? Nobody did. Uh, Jeff, you did, didn't you? Amen. Those pictures are beautiful. The nebuluses and all these things, to me, Space is amazing. It's fascinating to me. It's this vast expanse. And, you know, the Bible, I love it because the fact of what the Bible talks about, with the, you know, your descendants will be more than the stars in the sky and the sands on the shore, you know, and, and you hear mankind talk about, and they're like, oh, there's, you know, there's billions of galaxies and all. And, you know, I'm sitting there going, uh-huh, could have told you that already. The Bible said it long before you tried to say it. But it's amazing because... The heavens declare the glory, the earth, the work of God's hands. We are nothing. We're so finite. We're not even a fraction of an eyelash in terms of, <laughs> of anything. But who are we that God is mindful of us? That shows how much God loves us. We are so insignificant and inconsequential, but in God's sight, we are precious. So I'm just excited. I'm excited about that day. I'm excited when we sing God's praises and worship him. And uh, tonight, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 18. Tonight's message is titled, Be a Hezekiah. 
Anybody know much about Hezekiah? If you think off the top of your head, anybody know about King Hezekiah? If you've read, you know a little bit about it, but tonight we're going we're gonna to look at an aspect of King Hezekiah's. When I think about Hezekiah, my first thoughts are obedience. And we're going to see tonight in 2 Kings chapter 18, the message again is titled, Be a Hezekiah. You're going to see choices that Hezekiah made and the outflow that God blessed the choices that Hezekiah made. We all have the choice to be Hezekiah's. We actually have the choice also to be Samson's. And we have the choice to be King David's. Ready? The night he walked up on the palace roof and observed Bathsheba bathing. We have the choice to have gone out to battle and had never seen Bathsheba in the first place. Remember, right before he sees Bathsheba, it says, in the spring of the year when the kings go out to war. What that was saying is, it was in the spring of the year, David should have been with his men but he wasn't. David was already in a place, maybe it was like us. It's wintertime, you know, it's that time of year. I've been in Israel, it's damp, it's cold. I've been there this time of year, in the spring of the year, just about. And, you know, maybe it was one of those years where David had spent a little too much time eating and he got apathetic and he got complacent. So, hey, why don't you guys go on out, I'll meet you there. If David had been doing what a good king and a good leader does, he would not have been complacent. He would not have been apathetic. He would never have been on top of the palace that night and been able to observe Bathsheba in the first place. Why, it's very important for us to do the right thing when we should do it so that we don't run into the opportunities that the enemy has to steal, kill, and destroy and offer those temptations that are a result of disobedience in the first place. You hear me talk about with sin... You know, you think about the dam of godliness, right? The dam of godliness that holds back the temptation, the power of it, and all of those things, and spiritually how God protects us. He walls us. You think about how a dam walls off water. But this is the problem. Dams aren't fallible, are they? Or they, they are not infallible. And when a dam gives way, as I shared a, about a month ago, about the dam break in Georgia where my dad... Uh, Pat, uh, he was a, a, a Bible teacher for Tacoa Falls Bible College. It was actually when he was a, a teacher at Tacoa Falls Bible College that I was born. A few years before that, they had had a dam break. There was an earthen dam at Tacoa Falls. And it began to have a slow leak. Heavy rains softened the dam wall up. And it was with the small leak that in this massive flood that they had the night that this happened, about 2 o'clock in the morning, there's a book that was written about it called Dam Break in Georgia, and there were a number of students at the Coafal Bible College that were in their beds and drowned when the dam broke. But those dams just don't break all of a sudden. There's small fissures that happen. There's a small something in, whether it's concrete or anything else, that undermines the structure. And see, spiritually, that's what happens. We can look right now, and you and I might not have any issue with temptation right now. Might not be any battles. And sometimes it's the arrogance of us that believes, oh, wow, look how good I'm doing. We can't ever say that. The best thing in the world for us to do is take the approach that I shared with you this morning and keep yourself 
in the spiritual frame of mind of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 in weakness. Hey, God, I am weak, but you are strong. In you is all of my strength, Father. I'm talking about a prayer you can pray. God, don't let me get complacent. Don't let me get arrogant. God, don't let me commit the original sin, pride. It was the pride of Adam and Eve and the, oh, I'll be like, God, I want, yeah, that prideful spirit, that haughty spirit that ended up costing all of us and all eternity has until Christ, then the redemptive work of Christ, which gave us the ability to fellowship with God. But we've got to be very careful because these small fissures that happen are hair, they're just hairline cracks. And when we see that happen, we have responses to it. Well, it's not that big of a deal. My wife didn't act and write my husband. And you know what? I deserve this. And I deserve this whatever compromise that we allow in. Instead of saying, no, God, this is not your plan for me. I cannot be the police of others' actions. And my spouse, I'm going to pray more fervently for them that God would take captive their heart. But Lord, I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to trust you because I know you're trustworthy and I know you're faithful and I know that you can meet every need that I have while the others in my life are not being what they need to be. And what happens, it's like a spiritual epoxy that God will put and remedy that instead of allowing that. Remember, the enemy will never allow just that small. He doesn't care. Hey, that little small, that's all he wants today. Because what he knows, if he gets that one and we don't address it, do what the scripture says, take every thought captive to the will of Christ, he knows tomorrow he's going to be able to grow that. And he knows what ultimately happens and how that happens is those very small breaks, those very small fissures ultimately lead to catastrophic disasters. And I hope tonight that this is encouraging to you because Hezekiah made direct choices he made direct choices on who he was going to serve, who he wanted glorified in his life. And as a result of that, God blessed him tremendously. I hope you found 2 Kings, again, chapter 18. We'll look at verses 1 through 8. And if you're able physically tonight, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. In the third year of Israel's King Hosea, son of Elah, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, became king of Judah. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abby, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the high places, shattered the sacred pillars, cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake that Moses had made, for until then the Israelites were burning incense to it. It was called Neshetan. Hezekiah relied on the Lord God of Israel. Not one of the kings of Judah was like him, either before him or after him. He remained faithful to the Lord, did not turn from following him, but kept the commands the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him, and whenever he went, wherever he went, he prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. He defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and its borders from watchtower to fortified city. Father God, we praise you tonight for this man we read about, Hezekiah. God, the, the godly demonstration of righteousness, a king that, that was following nothing more than you, the king of kings, the lord of lords. God, I pray tonight, Lord, as, as we study your word, God, that you would burn it onto our hearts, 
that we would realize, Lord, the life that Hezekiah lived, we can live also. We have to purpose to allow you to be in all things preeminent. God, challenge us, convict us. God, do whatever it is tonight that needs to be done in accordance with your word. We ask all this in the precious name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so verse 2 and 3 again. So he was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. Mother name was Abby, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. And the first thing I want to share with you tonight is this. God will give you a ministry. What will you do with it? See, every one of us has a ministry. You think, oh no, I'm, I'm not in ministry. If you're a person that has a pulse and breath and a body and you're a follower of Christ, you have a ministry. The question is, do you know what that ministry is tonight? Maybe you don't know what that ministry is. Maybe you've not even thought about it. But tonight, this is the thing. God's going to give you a ministry. Everyone has a ministry. Oh, well, I'm a stay-at-home mom or uh, I'm retired. I don't... What, what are you talking about? Everybody has a ministry. If you've got kids in your home and you're not even a parent, you don't have to be. If you've got kids that you see at this church, you have the ability to be a godly demonstration to them in showing a life that's sold out to the Lord. Doesn't mean that you have to have a lot of words and a lot of talk. All you have to do is be sold out. You have to be willing to let Christ be seen, lived out in your life. See, that's your ministry. You know that some of the greatest ministry that can ever be done is never done with words. We often think, see, that's, oh, I could have such a powerful ministry if I was a person of words. No, 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 no. There's an old song I remember hearing the first time in about 1976 or about 77, about three years old. They will know you are Christians by your, anybody know it? By your love. They will know you are Christians by your love. Is the love of God demonstrated? The love of God, is it demonstrated in the life that you're living? Is the love of God seen? Now remember, love is not just a word. Love is something that is only given by God. The worldly love is something completely, oh, I, I love this, you got Hollywood love. They change spouses like we change underwear. Literally, some of them have been married six, seven, eight times. Oh, they're so in love. I see them kissing, and they got the paparazzi chasing them, and they're doing, oh, they're so, oh, I just wish I could. I wouldn't want nothing to do with them. I don't want anything to do with the Hollywood love. I don't want nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with love. It is a word that starts with L, but it's then U-S-T. It's called lust. And it's the lust of the flesh, and it has zero to do with a godly love because remember, we can't even love until we know God as our Father, as our King, as our Lord. It's a gift from God, and only those who know Him, Scripture says, word for word, love is of God. Those that don't know the Lord, they can't know love, thank you. They don't know what it's like to have a, a true love a lasting love that transcends time. And that's what I love in Scripture when it says, what is love? Anybody know, anybody know that Scripture? Love is patient. 
Time never ends. Gentle, self-control. The, the greatest part of that is the end, though. Love never fails. Love never fails. See, that's not the world's love. So that's a ministry in and of itself, demonstrating love to other people. Love is not based on what you can get from someone. It has nothing to do with that. Love is about giving. Love is about giving yourself to someone else, loving them unconditionally, not based on a standard of what they've done for you, what they can offer you. Oh, well, I found out such and such has money. I'm going to try to ingratiate myself to them. You know, they're so wonderful. And, you know, I've, I've, matter of fact, I've heard it. I hear it every Monday and Tuesday. Sadly, some of the people I work with, they make this blanket statement. Some of the young girls have said, well, I, I'm, I'm married for love this time, but next time I'll marry for money. And it's sad because they're actually being serious. They've dealt with heartache and they've dealt with heartbreak and they've now thrown away the notion of what love is. So what they're thinking now is, listen, I'm just going for the money. And that's sad. I mean, really, it's heartbreaking because imagine having the mindset of, well, I met this person and boy, we're just so in love. But if it doesn't work out, you know, we'll just call it quits and imagine that. I wouldn't want to, especially at my, at my age, you know, hit 50 years old, this, no way, I don't have enough time to go swapping relationships. I don't have enough, listen, I, no way, I don't have enough time in life to go and mess around with the tomfoolery out there. And imagine the loneliness, though, of going from one heartbreak to another heartbreak to another. See, that's what I love about the Lord. See, God doesn't break your heart. God never fails you. And that's why I think Paul was even so notably said, hey, if you can control yourself, don't be married. Be like myself. If, if you can't control yourself, get married. Because what Paul was saying is, anybody knows if you're married, that can be quite the hindrance to truly being sold out ministry-wise. When you have a family, you've got obligations, don't you? You have things you have to do, but remember, a person that's not married... They can go on mission trips 24-7. They can go anytime that they're not working or they can strictly, they don't have kids they've got to support. They don't have to have a second car and all of these things that they've got to do. They can focus completely and solely on ministry. That's what Paul was talking about. But those people in here are married. If you're not, you know what the great thing is? You've got a unique opportunity that God has blessed you with and you do not have to follow the world's whims and the world's desires of the inclinations of your heart. No, follow the God-given ministry that God has placed you in because you have one of two things you can do with it. We can squander it. We can go out there and try the worlds and see what happens, or you can take the ministry God gives you and be faithful with it with Hezekiah right there. Verses two through three again. What does it say right there on verse three? He did what was right in the Lord's sight what a great statement. He loved the Lord. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Meaning, he didn't, and, and by the way, look at his age. You find me a 25-year-old male who's bananas for God like that. This is a 25-year-old male. Think about our culture right now. Look at TikTok and all these other things and find me 25-year-old males that are sold out for the kingdom. They want to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. 
I believe you're probably going to be hard-pressed to find them. But Hezekiah, Hezekiah was doing it before it was popular. Hezekiah cared about what God thought about his life, and he wanted to honor and wanted to glorify. And then verse 4 down there, look. He removed the high places, shattered the sacred pillars, cut down the Asherah poles, broke it into pieces, the bronze snake that Moses made, for until then the Israelites were burning incense to it. It was called Neshetan. So remember, they kept the staff that budded. Remember that? That was one of those instruments they were showing the picture of God's... Hey, no, they started, in essence, worshiping that, like, I'm done with that. I'm not only going to be sold out to the Lord, I'm not only going to do what is pleasing in the Lord's sight, I'm getting rid of all this idolatrous filth that has polluted and defiled the land. He didn't just say it. He got down to business. And that's what I say in your life tonight. Hey, okay, yeah, Lord, I'm so in love with you. Lord, I'm so in love with you. Tithe and no, Lord, not that, but oh, man, God, you're so good. You're so faithful. It's really easy to say you love the Lord, and then your act of obedience is to rob him. It's just like pulling out a gun and saying, God, listen, give me more. You give me more, but you ain't getting yours because I did this. Thanks, but no thanks. If you want to be all in, you want the blessings of God, it does not come through disobedience. And I don't care what you think. Well, I don't believe in tithe. You don't have to believe in tithe. I'm not here to do a rent money dance. The only time I ever find out with anybody, and I don't even know who gives it, is when we do our financial reports, when we have our, our business meetings. I do not in any way have any, I have no insight into who tithes, and that's on purpose. You know why? I don't want to get mad. When I say that, I'm saying this. People that don't want to invest in the kingdom that I sit and hear talk about how much they love the Lord and how, how much they're God moving in their lives and how much, and then if I had that knowledge, I'd go, what? You love the Lord, but you don't even do any, you're not even shaking down, you're, what? You're not even tipping the Lord. What do you mean you love him? Let's talk about this. But I did that on purpose because it's not my business to be the convicting power of the Holy Spirit in your life. I can preach and teach the truth, and I can tell you all day long that that's the one place in Scripture that God says, test me in this, word for word. One place in Scripture that God says, test me in this, and see if I will not pour out a blessing so great that you cannot contain it. But I think sometimes it's like, God, you bless me so much, I, I can't even stand anymore, so I'm going to just hold back because I don't have nowhere to put the rest of it. Think about it. But it comes down, it boils down to a faith issue. Do you trust God? You won't even test him, so no, you don't trust him. Oh, you say you're all in. You speak it with your lips, but your scripture says your heart is far from him. Because what did Jesus say? If you love me, you'll do what I command. Again, it's not about me being a convicting power. It's about truth tonight. It's about having the heart of a Hezekiah. Hezekiah was all in because he realized that everything, now, oh, you know what, man, I might make people mad if I go in there and start cutting these, things. if I start taking the Asherah poles down and I start messing around, I can be all in and I can call the people to a love for God, but I don't want to mess around. They might kick me out of here. They might have somebody try to overthrow me. No, he didn't care because Hezekiah was all in. 
Hezekiah didn't care what happened because he knew that the only person that he had to honor, that he had to glorify and show what his heart was made of was God. And he demonstrated that by going in there and removing all of these high places and what they were is idolatrous worship to other gods. Going so far as to burn incense to the bronze snake that Moses had made. Worshiping it. Worshiping this thing that, remember, when the snakes came, I preached on it, uh, what, a month ago? Made that, raised it up. When they were bit by the snake, they had to look to it, and they would be healed, and they'd be saved. They're, they're burning incense to this. This is no God at all. This was a demonstration of the effects of sin, because the snakes came as a result of sin. This should be an Ebenezer, a rock of remembrance of sinful behavior and the effects of sinful behavior. We're worshiping it. And I want to think that we'd be any better. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you something tonight. If we're not faithful with our finances, we're doing the exact same thing with the almighty dollar. And God can't bless a mess, church. God can't bless a mess when we have idols in our life. It doesn't matter what form they take. It doesn't matter what form the idols in our life take. Idols are idols. And we see in the scripture, idolatry is allowing something else to take preeminence, meaning rightfully in the place that God deserves. See, there should be no other gods before me. The scripture says. What do we want? We can't have our cake and eat it too. What do we want? People hoard up money, stockpiles of money. Why? To give it to the kids and hope that they're going to do something decent with it. I don't know about you, but I hope I break even when I leave here. I mean this. You know what I'm going to do in the meantime? I'm going to let what I have be used for God's glory. Because you know what I know? I want to watch God use what he's blessed me with to be an avenue with which God's able to minister to other people. Why in all of God's green earth do I want to hope that my children won't be destroyed if I was to save up a, a wealth or a bunch of money to hand it to them in the hopes that after I'm dead, all you've got to do is look at the stories of people that you and I know that that has done nothing but destroyed, hurt, and fragmented relationships with. But my question is, though, why would you not want to watch God use it for the kingdom? I know a story personally. Dear man of God, fine man, dear friend of mine. Many years ago, he talked to me about how he had set up trusts to go to ministries upon his death, him and his wife's death. And I remember, you know, sharing about the ministries. And I said, what a praise God. What an awesome way. He was faithfully investing in, in what he had as the rest of it that was either going to be there or not be there. If he needed the, the care and his wife needed it, they would be able to use the rest of it and basically break even in a small amount go. Or if they did not live a long life, super long life, then there would be a larger amount going to these ministries. Well, a number of years ago, the spouse and he became a little more frail and fragile. And they ended up giving conservatorship to a child. You'll never believe it. This child went in there 
while they were still alive and was able to change all of these things that were going to be left to ministries and convince the person that had dementia at this time that he would be able to better distribute these upon the death of the parents. You know how much went to those ministries? Nothing. It went into the pockets of a child that squandered what the parents had set aside to use for ministry. This was the prized child that would never do anything wrong, never do anything disgraceful to the family, the family legacy. And I sat and once again said, what foolish decisions by those parents because I'd encouraged them beforehand to say, you better make sure this is all irrevocable. You know what he didn't get to see and his wife? They didn't get to see the rest of this used for the kingdom and guess what? They never knew that it wasn't used for the kingdom. But listen to what I'm telling you. When there's money involved, you've got major danger in any respect, in every respect, every time. Let me just tell you, this is what I want to encourage you to do. Watch the kingdom be ministered to and grown while you are breathing and still have a pulse. Amen? Don't think that your children are going to do the right thing. I, I know you all got wonderful kids. Yours would never do anything wrong. And that, that maybe I'm speaking to people who aren't here tonight. No, I'm speaking to all of us, including myself. I've already told my kids, you're going to get nothing when I die. Hopefully I don't leave you with any debt. I said, I'm going to use what God's given us for God's glory, and I want to go out of here with an even balance. I want to watch the kingdom grow while I'm still living and breathing. See, God's going to give you that ministry, but what are you going to do with it? That's the question. And what tonight are you doing with the ministry God's given you? And then the second thing I want to share with you tonight is this. And it's out of that verse 4 we read just a second ago. I'll read it just real quick. He removed the high places, shattered the sacred pillars, cut down the Asherah poles, broke into pieces the bronze snake that Moses had made. Until then, the Israelites were burning incense to it. It was called Neshetan. Second thing tonight, will you reject and purge evil or cling to it in your life? Same thing as robbing God. You're going to reject that or you're going to purge it? Are you going to cling to what is good or are you going to reject it? Are you going to cling to godliness and righteousness and justice and truth or are you going to reject it? Are you going to be a Hezekiah? That's what I ask you. You don't have to answer to me. You don't ever have to answer to me. I want to assure you once again, I'm nobody. You don't ever have to tie the penny to this ministry and there's nothing that I can do about it. And I won't even know about it. Thank you, Lord. But I ask you tonight, what do you want your legacy to be? And what do you want to be in terms of a sold-out follower of Jesus Christ living in obedience? Or you can make everybody think you're living in obedience when you're in complete disobedience. And ultimately, just remember this. That won't matter to anybody else. Because the one you better worry about is the one that knew about the thoughts when you were thinking about doing that in the first place. And by the way, if you want to know the way that God thinks about that type of thinking, all you have to do is look at the dear couple, Ananias and Sapphira. That's how God deals with people that lie to him, that lie to the Holy Spirit, they lie to God. By the way, that's no different. This is a New Testament. It's not Old Testament. This is a New Testament issue. 
And what that is, it's called the matters of the heart. Remember that sermon a number, maybe about a year ago, I preached the matters of the heart. Matters of the heart are the matters of eternity. And when we're lying to God, we've got a whole bigger issue we're dealing with. Get honest with God. Get serious in God's presence with being broken, being humbled, allowing God to weaken you so that his power is made perfect in your weakness. Be a Hezekiah. Be faithful, be obedient, be honorable because God can't bless a mess. And then verses 5 through 8. This is Hezekiah relied. I love this. Hezekiah relied on the Lord God of Israel. No one of the kings of Judah was like him, either before him or after him. He remained faithful to the Lord and did not turn from following him, but kept the commandments the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him, and whatever, wherever he went, he prospered. Wow. Third and final thing I'm going to share with you tonight is this. God will bless all you do if you remain faithful. God will bless the works of your hands. He'll bless everything. But you've got to get to a place where you can be blessable in the first place. We can make all the excuses in the world Again, don't tell me it doesn't matter. But I would honestly encourage you tonight to get honest in the presence of the Lord. If you've got an issue with battling idolatry in your life, if you've got an issue with battling being stingy or whatever it is that you might be battling, I would encourage you to get in the presence of the Lord because remember, you might think it's not a big, just listen to what I'm telling you. It does matter. Because it's a matter of the heart. Nothing that we have tonight, church, we have because of our own power. And if you think you have it because of your power, then you've got a whole other issue you need to be dealing with. There is nothing that we have tonight that is because of our power or because of us. Everything that we have tonight is a gift from the Lord God alone. What does the scripture say? Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, from the Lord of love, that does not change like shifting shadows. So what that means right there is every, every. Doesn't say some of the good and perfect gifts, a few of the good and perfect gifts. No, it says every. We know that every is a word that is all-inclusive. So everything that we have that is good and perfect is a gift from God. And my question then, are you going to be having been found faithful as a steward of what God's given you? Or will you be weighed on the scales and been found wanting? What does the scripture talk about the talents? Every single one of us are going to stand accountable for everything that God's given us. Did we bury the talents in the sand, hoping down the road that somebody's going to be faithful with them? Or did we go out and take and use those talents to expand the kingdom work and God bless it exponentially? I don't know. You answer that question. I can only answer that for myself. See, God will bless all that we do if we, remember, remain faithful. You can run the race all the way up to the last 10 steps and stop the race. Have you finished the race? 
Ask King Saul. Ask copious amounts of people in the scripture. Only those who, what, the race, receive the prize. Finish. You cannot receive a prize for a race that you do not finish. Doesn't matter if you start strong. Doesn't matter if you run hard for 100 yards. If it's a 150-yard dash or a 110-yard dash or a 101-yard dash and you run 100 yards, you didn't finish, did you? Having a good spirit about it and a desire to run and finish the race will not finish the race. Only those who finish the race. And I want to encourage you tonight to finish strong. We can make all the excuses in the world. My mother this, my father that, my grandmother this, my, gra my, my son, my daughter, my, my brother, my sister, my wife, my husband. I don't want to hear nothing about any of that. First of all, you don't have to tell me anything. You don't have to justify yourselves in my, my presence. That's the one you better worry about because he knows and sees everything. And by the way, he's holy. Scripture says be holy because what? He is holy. What does that mean? Well, if you don't know that tonight, we don't have enough time for that. I would encourage you to get in God's presence if you don't know what his holiness is and say, God, I know that your desire is for me to be holy and I don't even know where to begin tonight. I want to tell you, get in God's word and start with getting and staying in God's word every single day. Again, I'm not your dad. I can't make you do it. I want to encourage and challenge you because I promise you one thing, you are not living the abundant life if you're not doing it. You're living some quasi half-rate, sorry, broke-down, no-good life right now because you're being robbed by the enemy. There is a major breach in your dam, and you just don't even know it yet. But I want to encourage you to realize tonight, if you've got a breach in the dam, no matter how small, it's going to get bigger. The only way you can get that fixed is to get in the presence of God and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to restore what the moths and rust are trying to destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Scripture says, where your heart is, right? There your treasures are. Where's your heart tonight? Is your heart and desire to be a Hezekiah? Or is your heart's desire to make everybody think you're a Hezekiah, but you're living a completely opposite life? I would honestly encourage you to be as transparent with yourself and others about a train wreck that you are if you are one, instead of believing that you can come in here and put on a facade and make everybody think that your life is wonderful because then you've got a much bigger problem the only person we are able to deceive effectively when we do that is ourselves. Not only do others see through it, but God sees plainly through it. Back when I was a police officer, I remember pulling people over that could not even stand up. Have you been drinking? No. Oh, okay, well, you have a good evening. Sorry, um, you were all over the road, ran over curbs, ran through red lights. I, I must be extremely deluded tonight. They believed that they were able to fool you. Putting a Marlboro Red in your mouth is not going to cover a 12-pack of Bud Light. It's not going to do it. But see, we believe sometimes that we can deceive ourselves and that no one's going to know. Nobody knows the disaster that I am. Well, guess what? He does. In the same way that we think we can deceive others, we can deceive ourselves but we can't deceive God. And I want to encourage you again to be a Hezekiah tonight because that's where the blessings start.
That's where the blessings not only start, but that's where the blessings end. And as we get ready to head into this new work week, we have choices that we're going to make. We have choices to honor, to glorify, and to live for the Lord. Or we have choices to follow the desires, the proclivities of our heart. Where's your heart tonight? I ask you. Answer him. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this privilege we have to be here. God, thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace, Lord. But above all, thank you for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that brings life to us. Father, go with us as we go into our new work week. God, give us safety. Give us the ability to be bold for the truth, for the scripture. God, may you be glorified in everything said and done. We thank you above all, Father, that you have a purpose and a plan for us. Let us not be deceived. Let us not deceive ourselves or let the truth be in us. Let us be a Hezekiah. Let us run boldly. Let us run faithfully, Lord, with everything in us. Let us go out this week and as you put people in our lives. Thank you for listening to Headed Home with Pastor John. If you'd like to know more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit our website at longviewbaptistchurch.org and click our contact link. Thank you for joining us. Have a great week.